Now, it just so happens that when Rob was planning uh, today's service and had got three people to, or was discussing and thinking through getting three people to share their story of what, how God had spoken to them, he didn't know what I was going to be speaking on at that point. Um, but I'm actually speaking on Jesus calling us. And uh, so there's a lot of themes that kind of overlap today with Rob's own story and some of the stories we've been hearing already. And I'm going to refer back to those because I think they're really key for what I want to see in the scripture today. And it's true that when you read the Bible, Rob said he'd read the Bible, and uh, it's a good thing to do. I'm glad about that. I should have asked. That's one of the questions I forgot to ask you. Had you read the Bible? Um, but glad you have. Um, there's a lot of big stuff in here, a lot of big themes, a lot of complicated things, a lot of bits that scholars and theologians are still debating thousands of years on, scratching heads and wondering. A new theory will come out, and they'll debate a bit more, and, and so on. And there's kind of big issues about the globe and the universe, and Big issues about suffering and hope and all sorts of things in this book that's incredible. But it's not only big, it's also incredibly personal. And Jesus doesn't just engage in projects, he connects with people. And today I really want to focus in on on two of those connections with people and to see what that means for us today. Because I think there's some key messages for us today. people. And we've got two stories, and the words will be on the screen, I hope you can see that um, if not, it's Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 1 to 11, and then Luke chapter 5 again, verses 27 to 32. The first story is about a guy called Peter. The second story is about a guy called Levi, who's also known as Matthew. Okay, so or si- Simon, sorry, first one, Simon, who's known as Peter, and then Levi's known as Matthew. Very confusing, but there we go. Luke 5 says this, One day... As Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Story number one. Story number two, this is it, it's all on the one screen. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And just, I think it'll just help us if we compare these two stories quickly. Um, Peter and Levi, or Simon Peter and Levi, Matthew, um, 
got the kind of the introduction to those stories there. And you can see that one is about Peter, one's about Levi. Uh, Peter is a fisherman, uh, and Levi's a tax collector. Uh, one of them is by a lake, one of them's probably by a town. Uh, this lake, Gennesaret, at the time had about nine towns, uh, all with about 15,000 people in them, and today it's much less populated than that, but that's kind of the area. And so Levi's probably on the outskirts of one of those, collecting duties and probably not the sort of income tax taxes, but there's a lot of different taxes levied. And so he's employed, <coughs> one of the many tax collectors employed by Herod to collect money for the Romans. That's what he's doing. Uh, Jesus, in the first story with Peter, is approaching the lake, and he's standing, looking. In the second one, he's walking towards Levi. Because he's, he's on his journey, he's on his, his way. In the first one, Jesus is preaching. In the second one, he's looking at Levi. In the first one, he sees the boats. In the second one, he sees Levi. And when it comes to calling and talking about being called by God, we can have some misunderstandings. And I, I think for some of us, it brings back memories. Many of us will have had a time in school where the teacher asks a question, and you actually, for once, you know the answer. And you're not bluffing it. You genuinely know. Now, for some of us, that's rarer than others. For me, I was quite excited if I knew the answer. And, and occasionally, you might put your hand up. You might be brave enough. And you put your hand up, and the, you, the teacher would make eye contact with you. And, and your hand's up, and yes? And, and you begin to answer, and she goes, or he goes, no, not you. Not you. No, no, the one behind you. And, and suddenly, your, your sort of childish enthusiasm that you've actually the question right is just shrinks, doesn't it? And you're demoralized again because you thought you were being invited to share your pearl of wisdom and actually the person behind you gets all the glory. Some of us can feel a bit like that with God too, that we're, we're kind of wanting God to choose us but fearing that he's actually choosing the better looking, better equipped person who stood behind us or stood in front of us and fearing that we might get let down as we start trusting God, and actually he decides that he's changed his mind, and we didn't quite perform up to scratch, and he says, no, I'm done with you. I'll have someone better. And I want to just say to you that all we're talking about today, none of that applies. God isn't like that. and He doesn't treat us like that. He's not looking beyond you to someone better. He's looking at you today, and he's seeing you and me today. The first thing I want to say about God calling us is God knew what he was doing when he called you. See, running through my thought this morning and unpacking the scripture is the fact that God has already called you. This is not something you're waiting for. God has already spoken, and he's already called you to himself. And God knew what he was doing. When we read these stories in in the New Testament, we read about Peter, and Peter already knew Jesus. In Luke's Gospel, the story before this is Jesus healing Simon Peter's mother-in-law. So Jesus had already been to Simon's home. He'd already helped him out. He'd already kind of performed a miracle. And so Simon Peter actually knows who Jesus is. There's already a connection there. And Jesus is walking along, and the Bible says that he sees Peter cleaning his nets. I think that's really significant, that Jesus sees Peter. Jesus isn't daft. He will know that fishermen generally go to fish, to catch fish, to sell fish, to sell fish, not shellfish, or sell fish, that's something else, to sell fish 
to make money to feed their families and do all the things that you need to do when you're in business. He will know that. Jesus will also know that Peter is cleaning his nets and next to him is not a great big catch of fish. Jesus can see that Peter is cleaning his nets and there's nothing to show for it. But Simon Peter at this point is cleaning out nets to get all the rubbish out of them and all the junk that they've dredged up that they shouldn't have done. Probably not shopping trolleys and all the rest of it that you might get today. But he's kind of cleaning out the nets from whatever you fishermen get in nets that they shouldn't have in nets. You can tell I've researched this thoroughly, can't you, at this particular point. Um, but the, the key thing is that he can see the disappointment that Peter's got at this moment. It's not an accident that Jesus calls Peter and says to Peter, I'm getting in this boat here. It's not an accident that Jesus gets into Peter's boat, not someone else's boat, down the road, around the lakeside. It's, it's Peter that he's already begun to get a relationship with, and he steps into his boat on this particular day and begins, to, he says, push out from shore and I'll preach. And he begins to preach to the people. It's not an accident. Jesus knew what he was doing when he spoke to Peter. Jesus goes up to Levi, and he sees him. He notices him. The Bible says Jesus saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. I believe that's significant. Levi's the kind of guy that people try not to notice. Levi's the kind of guy that if he's collecting taxes from you, you don't want to be seen by him. You want to scuttle past him and scurry past him and hope that you don't notice him. He's an outcast religiously. He's an outcast socially, apart from his own gang of tax collectors and people of similar ill repute. He's not a popular guy. And Jesus notices him. Jesus has a habit of noticing people that nobody else notices. It's true of us, isn't it? Isn't it true of us? You know, as we look at our own lives, Rob talked about looking at his own life in his bedroom. We're going to all go back to Rob's bedroom for a moment. When you were 20-something... And he's looking in his own life and wondering what he sees. It was no accident that Jesus arrived in your room to call you. You see, Jesus isn't bothered what anybody else sees. He arrives at the right time to call. He arrives at the right time, at the right place to call you and say, come, follow me. And if you're looking today at your circumstances and you're wondering, has God really called me? Did he really? Does he know what he's doing? Uh, does he really know about me? I want to tell you today, and I'm telling myself this too, that there's nothing in our lives that rules us out of following Jesus' call. There's nothing. But Jesus doesn't just look. He also comes close. He gets into the boat. He comes close to Peter's, Simon Peter's area of weakness. Now, sometimes God does this. He comes close to the very thing that we don't want him to touch because we're too scared about it, too embarrassed about it, too upset about it. What is it that Jesus says to Peter? He says, push out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. At that moment, Peter is at his most vulnerable. He's the professional fisherman. Jesus is the carpenter, preacher. He's the one who should know what he's doing, and Jesus in that moment is exposing 
his lack and exposing his need, he's not doing it to shame him or hurt him. He's doing it to bring revelation. But we have to allow God to open up some stuff sometimes that we think it's, it's too painful. God, don't go there. And some people never get the breakthrough that God wants to bring because they're holding on so tightly to that area and saying, no, no, don't go there. But it's the very area God wants to allow to open up and speak into and show something different. And it's the very area when Peter is a failed fisherman at this particular moment and that he's got nothing to show for his, his efforts, his whole night working. And Jesus says, put out into the deep. It's that moment of revelation when Jesus brings something new brings his redeeming love into Peter's area of weakness. I love the fact that Jesus comes near to Peter's area of weakness, and he comes near to Levi's too. The rules of the synagogue were that you kept it open so that sinners could come. The rules of mealtimes were, for folk who could afford to, you, you kind of, your house was often open, the weather was warm enough, and you allowed space for people to come near and to be the poor to be able to come and get fed at your meal if, if they needed to. Jesus doesn't wait for Levi to come to him. He doesn't wait for the sinner to make the effort to realize that he's a sinner and arrive to hear the preaching. Jesus goes looking for Levi and, and, and says, you, you follow me right now. And he doesn't just stand at a distance proclaiming. He comes close. And I want you to notice that, that Jesus comes looking and he comes near to us. That this sinner, the tax collector, who was actually banned from the synagogue, so even though the sinners could go, Levi couldn't, he wouldn't have been allowed in. He was that bad. It was that sinful, that his profession was associated with so much sin and shame that he couldn't even come that close. Jesus comes to him and draws him. There's two aspects that stood out of that to me, which was, firstly, that we're not beyond Jesus' call. And secondly, I just wonder, for in our lives, sometimes if we get so familiar working with lovely people, being with lovely people, that we're, we're no longer close to people who feel alienated. Jesus made himself, he put himself out there amongst people who felt alienated. And they felt far from God, and they felt distant from God. And I, my challenge to my, to my own life is sometimes I think I, I'm surrounded by church leaders or people in church, and you think, Stuart, when, when was the last time you went to someone who was absolutely broken and alienated and far? People that, if, if the church knew you were associated with them, they'd be a bit shocked. When was the last time? Because actually, generally, our lives are quite nice, and I think Jesus here is showing us a way that we can actually get our hands dirty and get amongst people who are broken and needy. Jesus calls in person. He tailors the call to Peter and to Levi. I read this quote. The church is the only fellowship in the world where the one requirement for membership is the unworthiness of the candidate. I like that. And Jesus calls the unworthy. I want to just ask before I move on, do you remember the time when Jesus called you. Do you? Just think back. Uh, and I'm not talking about calling to a career. I'm not talking about calling to a role. I'm not talking about calling to ministry, whatever that is. I'm talking about the time when you heard God speak to you. And you said, Jesus, I need you. I need to follow you. 
Uh, maybe you're too young. Maybe you've grown up in a Christian home. But go back to the times of revelation when you've helped, heard God speaking to you. And you felt that God is drawing you nearer to him. I want us to hold on to that. That first time or those early times, that's going to be crucial for the rest of what I want to say this morning. Hold on to that moment. Because I want to look again at God's call. The call to Peter is not the same as the call to Levi. It's not a call to uniformity, even though they're both following Jesus. They're not to become the same as each other. They're to become like Christ, which allows them to be different and and, and separate from each other, but yet together. They're not called to a job. They're not called to a job. I don't believe that God calls us genuine, generally to jobs. Some people are. They have a sense of calling to a vocation. Medicine, teaching, working in the church, that's mission work, that sort of thing. And they're traditionally seen as God calls me to those. And he can. And he does. But most people don't have the privilege or challenge of working in those kind of fields. And so you can easily feel, well, I've just kind of bumbled through life. No, God's called all of us. See, the call isn't to a job. It's to serving him and to following him and to living for him. Paul writes later on in the New Testament, many, many times, Paul called to be an apostle. Do you know Paul's job was as a tent maker? His calling was to follow Christ and represent him. Jesus didn't call Paul to a job. He called him to a role, serving him and, and living for him. Calling isn't only spiritual. Jesus' calling to these guys is going to affect everything they do, every aspect of their lives, their family, their speech, their relationships. Their f- everything they do is going to be changed by this. God's call is waiting for a response. I think God's call deserves and is waiting for a response today, even if it's many years ago that God first called you. When we read these stories, Peter and Levi, there's an instant response. Peter is told to put out into deep water, let the nets down for a catch. I think Jesus is just sort of softening him up for the bigger call that's coming, softening him up for what's going to be needed when actually it's not just something he's familiar with, but something he's unfamiliar with he's going to ask him to do. And with the familiar thing, Peter responds instantly, despite his own doubt and despite his disappointment, he still says, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Now. I'll respond now. Do you know, it's never the right time to respond to God's call. You can always put it off. There's always something else you could do to... to kind of divert yourself from what God's asking you to do. It's never the right time. For Peter, it wasn't the right time. Nobody fished in the daytime. Jesus should have known that, really. Peter's not only not caught any fish, Jesus is now in the daytime asking him to put the nets down for a catch, and no one fishes in the daytime. You have to be stupid. Or Jesus. Thankfully for Peter, he's got Jesus. And it's Jesus who says, put your nets down for a catch now. And Simon Peter doesn't disobey. He doesn't say, but, but don't you know it's the wrong time of day? He says, okay, because you say so, I will. I asked you to think back to the time God first spoke to you. And if I do that, I can 
take you to a certain place at a certain time when, the time when it became most clear to me for the very first time that God wanted me to follow him, to become a Christian, to give my life to him. I can take, take you back to the place I prayed and the gentleman I prayed with who talked to me about what to be a follower of Jesus. It wasn't just about praying a prayer, but it was about living for Jesus. And I, can, I could take you back there. But there are times since when God has still spoken to me, and I'm sure he has to you as well. And he's prompted and he's called and he's pulled. You see, that initial call to follow doesn't just stop there. God continues to call us to follow him. And there's times to my great regret and my shame, I've, I've put God off and I've said, no, well, not, not now, Lord. I'm kind of, I've, I've started, all right? I'm just, I'm busy doing other things. I've got other things to do. And you hear God say, come. Come take another step. Come take another step in the adventure. Come seek me. Come step out. Tell someone about me. Whatever it might be that God's prompting you to do. And it's, it's so easy to put God off. I want to just encourage you and challenge at the same time by asking, what is it you're waiting for? What is it that I'm waiting for? What else do I think needs doing first before I say yes to God? Because in reality, nothing is more important than saying yes to God right now. There's nothing greater There's nothing more significant. Peter, in the end, leaves his boats and follows Jesus. And Levi leaves his tax-collecting booth and follows Jesus. And I want you to notice something very profound. Levi goes and holds a party. Verse 29, Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors followed. And a and became part of that. They were eating with them. It's amazing. Now, if I compare the two stories, Peter in the boat, he catches the fish, gets on his knees, and says, away from me, I'm a sinful man. Levi, by the tax collecting booth, Jesus says, follow me, and he, he goes and says, hey, come and have a party. This one seems much more spiritual. Peter's response, I'm happier with, as a Christian, I'm much happier with that, as someone who kind of devotionally wants to respond to Jesus. That's the place I I can adore him, I can worship him, he's my Lord. I'm a bit less comfy with the whole partying thing. Not because parties are bad, I enjoy parties, but this one just seems more holy, doesn't it? Maybe you're in a different place to me. But Jesus redeems everything. For Jesus, it's no different whether Peter's on his knees and Jesus says, come on, up again. Or if he's at Levi's party celebrating with this whole band of tax collectors. Both are holy. Both are precious to God. Because Levi's just gone, hey, I want, I'm so excited, I want everyone to know what's just happened to me. No, I won't go there. I was, just, I was so excited, I just can't hide it. Um, that's where I was about to go. But that was really bad, sorry about that. Uh, but he, Levi's got his friends around him and he's, he's just wanting to celebrate. And, and it just struck me that actually when God calls us to follow, there's no place for stuffiness and religiousness. He's actually calling us for a joyful response. A joyful response to say, Jesus, yes. Yes, I'll follow you. Yes, like Rob said, he couldn't hide it from his parents because it just oozed out of him. Yes, I'll follow you. Yes, I'm excited. Yes, thank you, God, you chose me. You chose me. I believe, as I was preparing this message, that God gave me a word to share for some, to say that, Some of you, some of us, have lost our joy and our delight. 
in God's call. And it's time to rediscover it again. So just to ask the question, where have you lost joy in your life? Where have you lost that delight? It's time to rediscover it. God's call is waiting for a response. Now sometimes we read these stories and and you can think, as I have done at times, wow, that's, that's heavy duty, you know? Simon leaves his nets and he follows Jesus. Levi leaves his tax booth and he follows him. And you can think, well, but, but I just can't do that, Jesus. You know, I've got a family to feed. I've got bills to pay. I can't just wander around the countryside like these disciples did. How can I possibly respond to your call on my life? Well, it's, it is that simple, but it's not that simple all at the same time. I want to do this really briefly. See, God will provide for you as he calls you to give up stuff for him. He will provide. His, his provision for Peter isn't only a miracle, it's practical provision for him as he catches the fish. So Jesus gives Peter the, the net of fish that he needs. He can then flog those and sell them, and he's got some provision to get him kick-started and, and on his way. But the truth is actually that Peter's already left his nets once. You read John's Gospel, John chapter 1, Jesus calls Peter there and he leaves his nets and he's here again and he's fishing and he leaves his nets. And in John 21, Peter goes back to fishing again. In John, the end of John's Gospel, Peter, this fishing for Peter is a familiar theme. It's a bit different for Levi because once you've left your tax collector's booth, there's no going back. Because but, but you, you're not going to get employed again by Herod. But the, the verse says, Levi got up, left everything and followed him. The very next verse says, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. He's left everything. But he's still got a house. And he's still got enough to throw a banquet. And after that, he leaves and follows, and he gives up that, I believe. We read the stories of the early church, and we read of people selling homes and selling land and bringing the money to the apostles' feet, and all the church are fed and paid for and looked after and cared for. And you might read those kind of stories and go, oh, I don't have the same faith. I'm just not worthy. I don't measure up. And yet, if we ask the question, where did the early church meet? We say, well, they met in people's homes, of course. Well, the same homes are just sold? Probably not, actually. So they're selling extra property. They're selling extra stuff they've got, and they're bringing it, and they're making provision, but they've still got somewhere to live. Otherwise, the whole of the early church are homeless. And they've got no provision and nobody can provide for anybody else. And generosity is great if God's given you some stuff to give, but if you've got nothing, you can't be generous. And so here's Levi and, and, and Simon are called to, to follow Christ. And actually the decision for them isn't about work. Will you pack in work and have another job? That's not the decision. It's more fundamental than that. The decision is, will you, in the middle of everything you've got going on, will you, above all that, follow me? Will you... Dis- despise these things and follow me? Will you diminish these things and follow me? For those particular guys, it meant leaving their employment to take up following Christ. For many of us, it means continuing in our employment and following Christ. And it's just the same commitment. It's not a lesser commitment that you're making to compare to these guys. It's just the same. But it is a complete response and one not to be flirted with, one to be stepped into. It's also an ongoing response. 
Peter is asked to follow. Sorry, Peter is, is told that he will become a fisher of men and Levi is asked to follow. Both of those are ongoing processes. And I believe there's a call on our lives today for a deeper walk with Jesus. An ongoing call. I just want to wrap up. Because I believe it's time to revisit Jesus' call on our lives. I've not said these things to make us uncomfortable today, but just to read these stories. It's a very simple message today, I know, because these are very, very familiar stories to us. I just want to take us back to these guys being called and to our own call when God first spoke to us. When we first realized that Jesus was calling, I just simply ask, what did he say? And how are we doing? What did he say and how are we doing? Are we doing okay following Jesus? Are we still following Jesus? Are we still going? Or has actually life turned out a bit different from what we imagined? Have we got sidetracked? Have we put God off and we've started saying, well, it was all right at the beginning, but you know, it was all right when we got the catch of fish, but you know, Jesus, now we're a few years down the line and I've not seen any catches of fish for a while. I've not seen the miracles I, I once saw. I just want to encourage you to, to look back at what God's already said. To look back at what Jesus has called us to do. Because I know in my own life there are times when I get distracted. There are times when I try and delay God. There are times when I try and put him off. I wonder how many times Peter and Levi went back to their call. Went back to what God had once said. Imagine Peter did when he denied Jesus. And he heard the cockerel crowing as Jesus had prophesied. And I imagine for Peter in that moment, he, he ran back through in his mind to the first time Jesus called him. So Peter, I'll make you a fisher of men. And he stood there thinking, but I've just denied him. And the shame and the guilt and the mess came into his life. Only a little while later, we see Jesus restoring Peter and, and, and helping Peter understand that he loves him and he's got a new commission for him. I think it's time to revisit the call. I'm sure Levi looked back on the call that Jesus had given him again and again, looked back on it. What did God say? What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say to me? Judas was a guy who looked back on the call. He looked back with disappointment because Jesus didn't measure up. Jesus wasn't what he thought he was going to be. The call hadn't turned out in the way he thought it would. He thought he'd be leading a a rebellion probably or that this guy would be coming in and and kicking out the Romans and none of that had happened. And so Judas looks back on the call and and it doesn't measure up to what he thought. and, And we know the rest of the story. Lee Strobel, in one of his books, tells the story of Billy Graham and a colleague of Billy Graham's, whose name I shall not mention. But both of them had been great preachers. Billy Graham, many of you have heard of. Some may even have come to Christ 
because of Billy Graham's ministry. But this other guy was also seeing thousands of people coming to Christ. Thousands of people making responses. Uh, And yet, due to disappointment in his own life, packed up his faith and and decided he wasn't going to follow Jesus anymore and became quite a staunch uh, atheist kind of a speaker against the church and a speaker against the gospel. And he was interviewed late in his life and was asked about what had happened and he unpacked the story and told of his disappointment. And then at one point, the interviewer asked him, but what about Jesus? And this guy's eyes, apparently this guy's eyes filled with tears and his voice quavered. And as he thought about Jesus, he said, I still miss him. I still miss him. Crazy, isn't it? The disappointment stole the call. Not the call to preach, but the call to follow. And that somehow, deep inside, was still this heartfelt desire for the one who'd called him. And I just want to ask, how are we doing with God's call? For some, it may be that you're just listening to me, rabbiting on, thinking, oh, I'm not sure I quite like those, some of what I heard here, what Pete said. That struck a chord with me, what Rob said. And you're thinking, I I don't know, maybe God's calling me. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's calling you today to come and say, yes, I'll follow you, Jesus. This is the first time you've ever heard this. Jesus is calling you today to say yes. Yes, I'll follow you with all that I have. I'll leave behind it might not mean I hand in my resignation tomorrow. It might not mean I get the deeds from my house and I give them away. But it might mean I turn them all over to you. God, and I say, Lord, I'm yours. I want to follow you. I want to discover what this faith thing is that puts everything else in, in perspective. For others, it will mean that we look back at the call Jesus placed on our lives years ago. And we revisit it and we, we remind ourselves, what is it that Jesus said? And we have a moment of joyful reflection to think that he called us. He didn't look beyond our hand to the person behind us, but he chose us. And he's not ashamed of you. And even if disappointment has come, and even if you think failure has come, he's not ashamed of you. He delights in you. And today, Jesus' call still is to come and follow. Just the same. He's just as personal, just as much in love with you, just as delighted with you, just as longing for you as he was on the very day he called you. So today, my encouragement is to look back at the call and say, yes, Lord, I'll follow. Shall we pray?